0: Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, April 16th, 2018, episode number 33. This is Tom from the Washington, D.C. Outpost, joined by Nick from Houston. Nick, uh, last famous Steelers uh, player with number 33.
1: I'm going to go with Merrill Hodge. Was Merrill Hodge number 33? Richard Huntley? I'm not sure if that was his name. That was the
0: backup to the bus for a while. That's right. Well, everybody loves the Hodster. Everyone loves the I mean, what's not to famous, like? He's uh, successful sportscaster in his own right now. I mean, so. he's
1: a he's a walking block of charm. The man is, and <laughs> to succeed as a Caucasian runner post nineteen fifty eight, it's impressive. So he's he's got gall. He's got pizzazz. The man does spunk, really. Also, have been a there's that. What's that? Uh, uh, whoa whoa no way i know that they got they've cornered the market on caucasian skill position players but every once in a while you can get one at pittsburgh um <clears throat> hopefully not anytime soon but either way there's a number 33 like a steel looking 33 on the end zone wall at Heinz field i've never known what that meant so we're gonna have to look that, that up for has, our listeners
0: next time i'll bet you that has to do with rolling rock beer it's the number think- the imprinted at the bottom of each bottle. It's a mystery where it came from. Huh. That will be awesome. Sure. Is, that, that is Rolling Rock in
1: Pittsburgh? It's just Sounds outside like of
0: Pittsburgh. In. It's outside of Johnstown, actually. Oh, okay. Well, the more you know. Mm-hmm. All right. Several of my friends, uh, when I went to UPJ, University of Pittsburgh at Johnstown, worked at the mm-hmm. brewery. Oh, nice. In cases of swill. As a college kid, that's, you know, cutting out the middleman, basically. Well, let's get down to it. We are surprised and heartened by the plethora of headlines we had this week when we thought we wouldn't have a whole lot to talk about. So there are some blockbuster news, gratifying and happy news. Uh, Our first two items are happy stories about Steelers and former Steelers, uh, Mm change in the NCAA rules, and then we will break down the running backs uh, in the draft this year. Yeah, so we're going to do it today. Blockbuster news. You have you may have heard about this before I did, but uh, I had a busy day at work today, and I finally yeah. tuned in to Bleacher Report and saw that James Harrison retired.
1: James Harrison. He retired for the eighth time. This time, it looks like it's going to stick. And all the Steelers fans who burned his jersey are undoubtedly finding the ash and throwing it into the urn next to grandpa on the mantle at this point. And all is forgiven. And now we can just reminisce upon the good times because he's not going to be putting on a Patriots uniform next season or any other uniform for that matter.
0: My theory about James having been following him on Instagram, some mm-hmm. of my compatriots that I work out with who are basically our entire workout around what James Harrison does is that he's found a much easier way to make a living. He's made his money. And yep. it's just much more fun to do Instagram videos with crazy exercises and sell powdered sports drinks mm. than it is to get up and play in the NFL at 107 years old.
1: Yeah. The the, uh, the allure may have finally worn off. He had a quote. He basically put out an Instagram post saying that I've missed too much for too long, probably referring to his family there, obviously. Um, And he's ready to call it quits. And I I doubt that he had much interest in him, honestly, this year, even though he obviously could still do some things here or there. But at this point, the guy's like 40 years old. It's time to move on. But now we really can look back on that Steelers legacy, like we sort of started to do when there was the uproar about him going to New England. And we try to put that in perspective for everybody. You know, the things of business, the Steelers booted him out the door and he went to someone that wanted him. But no matter what he did, it really couldn't tarnish the unbelievable legacy he's made. So everybody kind of knows the general story. He was cut five, five, six, seven times. I think it was cut, yeah, something like that. Cut over five times when he made it into the league, undrafted out of Kent State. The guy had five sacks by age 29, and then he ended up getting about 76 of them after that age that that's absolutely absurd no big contract no all pros no defensive player of the year nothing like that until after age 29 i don't know if there's another story like that that we've ever seen in the nfl
0: it's crazy i'm, I'm up here on uh, pro football focus looking at his awards and where he's led in certain category he was the yeah. 2008 nfl defensive player of the year yep he uh five pro bowls two first team all pros Yeah, all after 29. I I remember
1: his coming out party. He had a good game against the Browns, but his first year as a real starter against the Ravens where he had a monster game. He had like nine tackles, three forced fumbles, one against Ed Reed on a punt return, and an interception and a fumble recovery. It, It was just insane. He also, one of his first big plays was... Uh, intercepting the ball and jumping over Ladanian Tomlinson and we were just wondering who the hell is this man and we would never wonder that again ever again because he went down as an all-time great stealer we obviously don't have to mention the immaculate interception versus the Cardinals a great play breaking on that ball and then just a miracle that he made it down that sideline there was that SNL sketch for Keenan Thompson pretended to be James Harrison after that Super Bowl it was about a week later and he just Was carrying around the oxygen tank with him, pretending like he was still out of breath based on the way that he collapsed after that play. So glorious. I remember not being able to feel my limbs
0: when that was happening. Well, James Harrison is like the United States of America army in a surge into Iraq. Iraq. Mm. late stage game and <laughs> even in his old age was I mean the, I'm sorry to bring this up but there's it, it a fact of nature that when he got traded to the Patriots he showed what he could still do at this late stage of his career absolutely he even played pretty well in the Super Bowl so now what everyone is is
1: gonna start talking about is is this guy a Hall of Fame candidate and I think he's a really interesting case kind of like Heinz Ward's an interesting case but his Streak of dominance, basically from like 2007 through 2011, rivals anybody. I mean, that's that's definitely a Hall of Fame career. Some people just question if you know he didn't sustain that level of dominance throughout his whole career, even though he had another late career surge and was still really good for the rest of the time. There's something what that you I base like, a- what, were you what are you saying? Are like, you saying like what? What do you base what? the candidacy off of? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, the first thing's first is like it's not just the – it's the stats. It's the eye test. Those should line up where the guy is truly a a dominant player, You know, one of the best players at his position for a certain number of years. That's why Terrell Davis had some of the best seasons ever for a running back, but the reason why he couldn't get in for so many years is because he didn't play that many, even though he's obviously a Hall of Fame talent. Well, one thing I like to ask when I look at Hall of Fame – is a question. It's a little subjective, but it's like, could the story of the NFL be told without this player? And naturally, there are famous guys. There's Johnny Manziel or whatever. There's Tim Couch, Ryan Leaf, big time busts who are part of the fabric of the NFL. And there are, you know, personality guys who will go down in history, but they weren't quite, you know, dominant. So obviously, the production needs to match. But I don't think you can tell the story of the late 2000s in the NFL without James Harrison. I mean, obviously, Defensive Player of the Year, the huge, potentially the best play in Super Bowl history, at least one of the five or six best ever. When he was dominant, he dominated everybody. He is famously probably after, he might be known as the scariest guy in NFL history. Obviously, you had LT, you had Lambert, you had these different guys, but just the way Harrison looked with the visor and how wide he was, he was just universally considered the most frightening man in football for pretty much his entire career after he became relevant. And then, of course, there were all the fines with Goodell when the NFL was transitioning into an era of, quote-unquote, player safety, even though we know that's not actually real. It's more like uh, protecting the brand, but more on that later. And um, the the constant drug tests that they would give him, record amounts of drug tests just trying to figure out why this guy could beat father time. And then just the American dream story that he had coming from nowhere to being at the pinnacle of football. And I do think that his numbers match up. So he'll have a hard time getting in, but I do think he's deserving of it.
0: Well, uh, it's, it's, it's a good case. I I feel a little biased. As you said, the statistics shouldn't be the sole barometer, but you know, he, he's, Ranked pretty far down on the list uh on sacks. That that's kind of a sexy statistic to look at. And the question is, is he going to get what kind of look is he gonna get early on versus is this gonna languish? And as time goes on, people right. are gonna forget about the aura of James Harrison and based on his statistics. So I think he's got it's gotta strike quickly.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. The, and the context will be lost after a while. And you're right. For a guy who plays edge defender, you're going against those DeMarcus Ware types and, um, you know, whoever the, the big sack number guy. So that that will really affect him because that's what they end up looking at, even though that's we, we know that that's not the most important stat, still a telling stat, and it's a sexy stat. So people like to look at that. So that'll hurt him. But I think anybody who follows the NFL over the past, you know, 11 years knows that James Harrison has been a dominant player ever since he turned 29. One little last anecdote on him. I saw a quote from James Ferrier from a while ago that I hadn't seen um, before, explaining, like, how did this guy go unnoticed, or how is he not good until 29? Like, what clicks for him? And he said, quote, he was a knucklehead who didn't know the plays and practice. And when this dude came on the team as a rookie from Kent State, apparently he would get plays wrong during training camp on the practice field, and he would literally give up on the play throw his hands up in the air and tell the coaches to take him out and farrier said we just thought the guy was crazy i mean think about that you're telling him to take you out that you're an undrafted guy your career could be over nope he's a psycho and it ended up working out for him but apparently it took it took a while for him to for the football part to click but man when it did you know even in that stupid super bowl you saw how savvy he was for the patriots
0: I'm uh, doing a quick search on this, but uh, all the stories that are coming up on this quote are more recent ones about James Harrison. But I thought James Harrison – or I'm sorry, Ben talked about James when they were playing together in the Mid-American Conference and said yeah. James Harrison wasn't that scary back when he was put. Play- it was Miami and Kent no. State.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. They played against each other in college. <laughs> that's
0: the yeah, of kind college. of co- co- crazy a coincidence not from a um power five conference
1: well either way he's on the the rushmore mount rushmore of of steelers defenders actually that's a good question there was a question on twitter someone was posting alex Kazora and the steelers depot guys um because Kazora has been saying that uh james harrison is a top five all-time steelers defender in a hall of famer and i think he's got a, a great case for that but what do you th- do you think James Harrison's a top five Steelers defender or where does he rank? Keep in mind, even without you know the iconic Super Bowl plays, he's the Steelers sack leader. That's a pretty, pretty big accomplishment. Where do you think he's at? Uh,
0: I can't say he's top five. And uh, are we going to talk about all positions yeah, on hard. defense? He's clearly not top five. All positions. So who would you put not. above him? I know you're on this on the spot here, but can I, start I, with,
1: can I start with Joe Green and just get that out of the way? Of course, you, we, that's the easy one, right? Yeah, okay, so that's Joe Green. We both agree on Rob that, Woodson. Number one. Woodson. I totally agree on Rob Woodson. Yeah, the most dominant player at his position for at least a minute there and then switch. I mean, uh, Aaron Smith. No, 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 I won't put Aaron Smith. i Paul Malo, obviously, right? Paul Malo, Troy. I think Mel Blunt will be another one just because mm-hmm. he. They had to change the rules for this guy. And then I think that Lambert probably would be the other guy. Although, right, well, who do you think was better, Ham or Lambert?
0: Because Ham was the versatile guy who could actually cover people downfield and he was fat. I think, you know, one of the problems with the, what you and I are doing is it leaves out decades of Steeler players. And I'm not just talking about Steelers previous to the, you know, the Steelers of the 70s, but as bad as the teams were through the 90s there were some players that what like Jason Gilden for instance and um Greg Lloyd and I can't I, I haven't stacked up the statistics but as you said this can't only be real uh, reliant on statistics top right. five just seems like a stretch I think he's top 10 but not five
1: I think he's top six or seven at the worst I love Lloyd and and even Green for a minute there there were a bunch of got players who were really good i mean obviously we included rob woodson but i don't think any of those guys were ever considered the best defensive player in the whole league that defensive player in the year award really stands out to me and it was an obvious one to make um that year i'm not just taking one year out of context but i think just the sustained dominance of him it was was pretty special although you know, I'm not going to argue. It, he got.
0: He got. A, he got it one year, and you can't deny that. But I, I guess I'm thinking about the totality of his career and whether he's dumb. He, he was. I mean, it, we're, we're splitting hairs at this point.
1: You know what's funny too is like he didn't start playing till he was 29. But he played well until he was about 39. So his career, you know, the prime of those guys would have last five to seven years maybe for like a defensive player. He still had the same prime as everyone else. He was just older when he did it. And those people yeah. might have slowed down at their age. He, di- he didn't do it. So what an interesting case James Harrison yeah. there's, is.
0: There's no doubt I want to give him more credit because he yeah. did this later and longer than most people.
1: Yeah, and but we don't – we context isn't important it's just about did you dominate or not i don't care how old you are or not it's just great story definitely all-time Steelers legend and we have a super bowl really thanks to him
0: let's uh turn to another field story brand shazier
1: yes shazier shay leave watch so he's been making his rounds he's been looking a lot better standing a lot more recently he went with malcolm jenkins from the eagles back to Ohio State for their spring game. Mal- Malcolm Jenkins and Ryan Shazier were both captains at different times for Ohio State. And they talked to the team in the locker room, and Shazier came out on the golf cart and fired up uh, like the audience with the megaphone and stuff like that, and he stood up for them. And He's also been at the Penguins games, and he stood up and fired up the crowd before um, game one of the Penguins' recent series, which the Penguins shellacked – philly seven zero seven one seven zero they crushed them regardless and actually i don't know if and i don't remember if it was Dumlin or one of the guys in the pen said that it was pretty unreal when ryan hyped up the crowd like that and it was absolutely pandemonium town in there and he thinks that that actually helped them uh right into the game with some momentum so awesome see he's still using support but he's standing up and he's walking a little bit so uh, unbelievable where he is now compared to the winner.
0: Well, speaking of the penguins, I thought you you wanted to make a little side note about the uh Sid Sid Crosby.
1: Sid the kid. Just if you guys aren't into hockey, which I bet a lot of you are cuz we're lucky in Pittsburgh, we're super spoiled to to have the Steelers and have Ben's career the way it is, but wow, we are ex we're like the the Patriots of the NHL right now without the cheating. It's pretty great. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. You have Malkin and Crosby on the same team for this long. And they're still playing at a high level. I just want to point out, Sidney Crosby has defied physics so many times in his career, but it seems like he's doing it more than often now. I don't know if you guys saw the goal. You need to look back at his goal against, oh man, it was the Canadians or someone. Last month, where he's on the crease, somebody kind of fires the puck in towards the crease. In the air, he... Bats it with his stick, bats it up to himself, and then backhanded, still in the air, smacks it into the goal on Carey Price, the best goalie in the league. Well, guess what? He did it again in the playoffs. They were calling the first one one of the best goals ever seen in the NHL. And what does he do? He basically just does it again a couple weeks later. So we're privileged. Uh, The Pens are up 2-1 in Philly, and I think that's going to be telling because after we wipe the floor with the Flyers, um, it's going to give the Eagles fans um, some extra hatred towards us when we beat them in the Super Bowl this year because I'm calling it now.
0: Steelers, 34, Eagles, 31. (laughs) Well, admittedly, I'm not a huge hockey fan. When I was growing up, the Pens weren't what they are today, but – if we could have scores of 7-0, 5-1, 5-1 all the time, I might start watching all the time.
1: Oh, yeah. You got to tune in for the playoffs because they turn it up for sure. shit is it. They get hot at the right time.
0: So one quick little tidbit. Uh, NCAA adopted a new kickoff rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we've been talking a lot about safety, and we'll continue to talk about this story ad nauseum. But interestingly, the rule is that if – a player catches the ball on a kick. Uh, catches a kickoff within the twenty-five. You can consider it a touchback if he kneels it Fair and catch. bring the ball to the twenty-five. Right? Fair catch. Fair catch. Thank you.
1: Yeah. So people think you know there's a war on the kickoffs in the NFL because statistics, I believe, do actually show that it is still the most dangerous play. You know, you got guys running full speed at each other, and people are even still getting hurt on touchbacks. So they're trying to make it an option. You know, if you're inside the twenty. Uh, to be able to have fair catch for it. I just don't see guys actually making that decision. I mean, if the ball comes out to the one or the two, why are you going to fair catch it? I mean, you're uh, – I don't know. Maybe it will happen in college, but it just doesn't seem like that great of a benefit. Uh, I think to you the definitely
0: – I, I think that the question isn't the one or two. If you catch the one or two, you kneel and you gain yes. 23 yards. I mean, that's, that's, my, that's my point. No, you're right. Yeah, if, if it, you're on if the it, one if, or two. If it brings it out to the 20, there's more of a discussion. But if you bring it out to the 25, you got, you've taken a quarter of the field away – I think uh, the question yeah. is, it comes to the ten, maybe. Yeah, but then you return. If it's, it. if it's within the five, you just kneel and take the yards. And I, I feel the what? same way in the NFL.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Because a lot of times that would happen when, especially when we play the Patriots. They just Guskowski and and the Patriots are good at kicking the ball down the, to the one or two yard line, or even the ten yard line, and we couldn't get the yards back. And you know what, until you get a stud back there on the kick return, you just tell those guys to fair catch it when they're inside there because obviously that's been comedy capers for the Steelers. Hopefully they get uh, somebody who can return it in the draft because there's a lot of options between you know the receivers and maybe the running backs who were looking to take probably one each of those guys and, and a backup role who's getting to be groomed to be a starter for the future but now could contribute with the kick returner. So like Dante Pettis, the wide receiver from... Washington, who we broke down, and
0: I think uh, – anyways, we'll get to the running backs when we get to the running backs. Hola, mi amigos. We do this show every week on Monday night, and we publish it Monday night for your listening pleasure on Tuesday. If you haven't already subscribed but you like what you hear, please use your app and subscribe to the podcast. We try to do – we have been successful 33 weeks in a row putting this podcast out (laughs) each and every week. Uh, We try to find the tidbits – and Ad obviously we are we are ramping up to the to the draft and trying to give you some in depth analysis. So we'd appreciate you subscribing. We'd also appreciate you guys giving us a five star rating on Apple Podcast.
1: Yep, iTunes, everybody, and the, yeah, just just the podcast app on your iPhone. Which if you are listening to this on an iPhone, you undoubtedly know that because you're probably using it as we speak. But go ahead and give us a five-star rating in there. We appreciate it.
0: So continuing our theme of analyzing draft positions, we're going to look at the running backs this week. And, you know, our favorite topic is – actually, it's not. I'm getting a little tired of it, but <laughs> yeah. Le'Veon Bell. But let's talk about – he He seems to be um, short-lived for the Steelers. What are you going to look for in the next running back? And, and are, are we going to take somebody in the high draft round this year? So – I think
1: everyone's expecting the Steelers to take a running back at some point. I think in the first round, it's Geis or Bust. Because Darius Geis, we're going to talk about him. He is a stud running back from LSU. He actually is almost every bit as good as Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley, we'll get into that. His talent is out of this world. But in terms of just a running back, somebody knows how to play the position, has the physical traits. Geis is the man, and there is a chance he might slide to the Steelers. I personally don't think it's going to happen, but if Geis is there at 28 and you don't, have one of, you don't have the inside linebacker that you love or maybe the safety that's, that you love, you take Geis. Um, otherwise, I think the Steelers will be right, waiting until maybe even the fourth round to pick up a running back like that just because you don't want to pick a guy early who's going to basically sit on the bench for an entire year. Behind Levion.
0: But I digress. So, what are the features you're looking for? I mean, Levion has everything, and I'm going to guess you want everything, almost everything, but you can't have everything. So, let's prioritize what we want.
1: So, I made a little list, and we're going to put this on the website. Maybe I'll tweet some of this out as well for you guys. But I have five main categories I'm looking for in a running back. Like you were saying, Levion has everything. Well, he almost has everything. Um, but he especially has trait number one, which I just labeled as I I need the unstoppable trait. I need the ability. I need the running back to show the ability to break arm tackles in the hole and just consistently get four yards. This is the guy who takes a negative two yard run and turns it into a positive two yard run, which is a a huge difference. And Le'Veon's incredible at doing that. And another way this sort of manifests itself is that the running back always falls forward. I feel like Le'Veon's negative runs were a little bit up this year, but usually if he gets to the line of scrimmage, he's getting at least one or two yards and those add up, you know, and and you never end up behind the chains. I'm not really a big fan of the home run guys. So that's the, that's the number one fall. forward, And that's kind of, some, yeah, fall forward and just, you got There's guys who are savvy in the hole and just always find a way to get two or three yards. I mean, hopefully, you know, they're averaging over four, but like their bad plays are still positive plays. And that's how you sustain drives and keep third and manageable. If you've got guys who are trying to hit home runs all the time and sometimes they can, but they're losing a lot of yards, you know, unless they're Barry Sanders or Saquon Barkley, Barkley, um, where it's really worth it. Then I don't really like that because you're going to have a lot of third nines, and third nates, and, and that's not where you want to be.
0: All right. Characteristic number
1: two. Characteristic number two, I labeled as savvy. I need the running back to have some savviness. So far, the Le'Veon Bell box is being chatted. I mean, Le'Veon Bell's a golden god. I- I don't want to talk about it. I'm going to get emotional now. But savvy. I like a running back who can set up his blocks, and he picks the right holes, and he finds the creases. So the first one, the unstoppable category, is like a mixture of knowing how to play running back and just having the physicality to break tackles that you don't even realize the guy is breaking. The Number two, the savvy thing is like these – these guys need to just know how to get yards. I mean, we suffered through it with Isaac Redman and Jonathan Dwyer, guys who are physically really impressive, but they just didn't know how to find creases. Le'Veon, he always finds that type of crease. So that's, that's number two.
0: Uh, so number three. Number
1: three would be Dynamic. You need a guy who can make people miss in space. So this is, after all that basic stuff, I just need a baseline of you being able to run through the middle. But to make you a very good running back, you need to be able to ma- make people miss in space. For instance, when Le'Veon gets outside the tackles and you see him face-to-face, one-on-one with the guy, you know that guy has almost no shot of tackling him. If it's corner, he's going to step arm him and run him over. If it's a linebacker, he's going to juke him out. And you just consistently need that. That's the same way with Antonio Brown as a wide receiver. If he's got one guy on him, he's going to make a miss, right? So dynamic is like making people miss or being able to have a great stiff arm and also just finishing runs. Another thing about Le'Veon, he's gotten smarter about stepping out of bounds at certain times to preserve himself. But he also kind of at the end of his 15, 20-yard runs, he usually trucks the last guy for another five yards, and that's an important part to finish your runs.
0: So I do have your list in front of me, so I know what you're going to say next. And it seems like an obvious one: pass catching.
1: Yeah, pass catching. This comes with an asterisk. So I just need a guy who's a natural catcher. He catches with his hands. Like the ball's not going to bounce off of his hands when you're throwing him a swing pass or that little option route. That all I really need is for him to be able to catch swings. And the running back option, which is where they kind of delay and they run, you know, five yards past the line of scrimmage, and either turn around and catch it or run towards the sideline and catch it. I think that there is a huge misconception about Le'Veon Bell for how awesome a receiver he is, and he truly is. But some people say that he could line up and play wide receiver, and that is that's wrong. (laughs) He absolutely can't. You said that Le'Veon Bell has all the traits for a running back; he can't have all of them. Well. He's my—I think he's the best running back. He's my favorite running back, but he doesn't have all the traits. The one trait he's missing is long speed. We know he rarely busts out long runs over 20 yards. He almost never has a 50-yard touchdown. I don't even know if he has one ever. While there's other guys like Gurley and Elliott and Saquon Barkley and some of these guys who can really bust those long runs. Well, if you're playing wide—if Le'Veon's playing wide receiver, he's usually running either a go route when he's on a linebacker, so that's just a mismatch, or he runs— a slant, but really, he, it's more this functionality of being able to just outrun linebackers. That's what I need. You need to just catch that option right. I don't need you to be Marshall Falk. So you need to just have like a baseline of catching.
0: So you know, I'm sorry if this is insulting. I don't need it to be, but you sound like Spalding Smalls from Caddyshack. You want this, hmm. you want that. It's a little whiny because you want all five of these things. I want it. What's the order? Because you're not going to get all five of these because we're not going to get somebody that high.
1: Uh, so, I mean, I wouldn't I'm say throw, that I wouldn't throw say my that hand the the
0: I w- Yeah, OK. Well, we can debate this and we will see what happens. But I think blocking is essential. And I think the – you called but, unstoppability. Th- they're ranked in order, by the way. That's This is your order. Unstoppable. Yeah, this is the order. Blocking being the least thing you need. Blocking is like a baseline, but I don't
1: put a guy in there because he pass blocks well. That's it. Like, that'll (laughs) only get you so far. If you can pass block well, but you can't get four yards. Fitzgerald Toussaint is a great pass blocker. I'm not putting him in as my starting running back on any team in the NFL. All right. You know what I mean? Fair enough. That doesn't mean that, like... Just because it's fifth on my list of things I look for, that doesn't mean I'm not looking for that. Of course we're looking for that. That's kind of considered a baseline trait for NFL running backs. You have to be able to pass block. It's a very difficult adjustment going from college to NFL. The people you're going to be blocking are way bigger and way faster, and especially if you play for Ben and the Steelers, you're going to need to be able to pass block. And also, just to let you know, we've re- We've regurgitated this a lot of time But most of the NFL's leading rushers Of the past four or five years Have all been third round or later backs I mean Kamara, Hunt, Howard There's, there's a long list of these guys Who, you
0: know, Willie Parker was undrafted True, so, okay So as you, you made the point that You don't need to get a running back In the first round to get somebody valuable What round do you want in our running back Based on where the Steelers Are going to draft this year? So, can you wait past like I said, it's by the get, third?
1: It's yeah, I would wait if I don't get Darius Geis in the first. Because if Darius Geis is there, we're just gonna blow the lead right now. I'm taking Darius Geis because yes, you can find Alvin Kamara in the third round, the fourth round, maybe or whatever. But I feel like the running back position is starting to be valued again as you've also seen these high round draft picks really pan out with Ezekiel Elliott and Le'Veon was a second, but he would have been a first in any other year. Um, People were just still scared because of the Trent Richardson thing that happened in Cleveland. But yeah, if I don't get Geis in round one, then I'm waiting until about round four because you definitely can still get a good guy. The guys in round one for me, who I'll talk there about three and a half of those guys, they answer almost, they have almost all five of those traits the further rounds you get, they have less of those traits. Like you were saying, you, you really can't have all of them.
0: All right, well, let's get into it because so, I think we've already yeah. gone past the big reveal. Let's, let's talk about Saquon Barkley.
1: Yeah. So we're just going to talk, we're going to, I'm going to glaze over a little bit on the, on the top three big guys. So of course, Saquon Barkley, Sony, Michelle and Darius Geis, just because I want you guys to have some context. And cause it's the most fun group to break down this year. Cause it's such a cool break, uh group of running backs. If you don't, no, Saquon, you haven't heard about him enough, which I hope you have at this point. He is an Adonis. He is a football god. He is an anomaly. He is a LeBron James an Adrian Peterson, a Calvin Giant, uh, a Calvin Johnson. He is a super Goliath of a man. He's six foot two thirty three, so he's he's giant and he's the fastest player in the field. He is absolutely unbelievable. A lot of people. He's one of the most hype draft prospects. We've seen since, you know, like an Andrew Luck or a Jadavion Clowney or something like that. So that's who he is. If you watch his tape in college, he's unbelievable. He just – the long runs he breaks are crazy. There is – now, a lot of people consider him the consensus number one and he he definitely has the potential to be that for sure because he's just built a way that other humans – you never could become like him. It's just genetic at a certain point. Obviously, he's worked really hard. But – He has one major flaw, which is he's not shown the willingness or the ability to run in between the tackles and pick up those 3.5 yards over and over again when you just need to ride him. Like his stats in college are 100 yards or like 160 yards, 200 yards, 40 yards, 30 yards, 180 yards. So he's kind of boom or bust. And when you watch him, he has this unbelievable ability to break the ball to the outside and run around people, like freeze defenders, and it's incredible. And you'll take that, like Barry Sanders used to have that. You take the negative runs. Um, But he's not – he has the size and the frame to run up between the tackles. He just hasn't shown that. But he's a surefire. I mean, you take him in a heartbeat. Steelers will have no chance at landing him. All
0: right. Well, you've already mentioned – um Darius Geis a number of times why don't we go to him
1: I'll just be quick with this I mean he doesn't have he's not a god of physique like Saquon is nobody in this draft is but this guy seriously checks that unstoppable box he is a complete back he can do every single thing he can run in between the tackles and he does it violently by the way always falls forward he can make people miss he can run them over he can stiff on them he can catch out of the backfield and he can, and he gets into the end zone, you know. So he does everything really well. I mean, he has excellent power. He's just not that big at 215 pounds, um, and he just might need to improve his receiving and blocking because he didn't get a ton of uh, chances to do that at USU. But he's the most complete back. He's kind of like a baby Marshawn Lynch, whereas like somehow he manages to have that kind of power with that kind of speed.
0: He's All right. Awesome. So you mentioned him, but we didn't say a lot about Sony Michel.
1: Out of Georgia. Sonia Michelle. this is the group of three. These guys, he's kind of right on the same level with Geis. He's, he doesn't have that violent style, but he checks that savvy box like you've never seen. He's a super fluid runner. He kind of just glides. Like how they say Le'Veon glides with those jump cuts. Well, Sonia Michelle doesn't do all the start-stop stuff that Le'Veon does, but he just gets the ball, and then you see him 10 yards down the field. And he's great at picking holes and just finding ways in the championship game. So he played for Georgia with Nick Chubb, and he split time with him. And in the championship against Alabama, if you watched Chubb's carries, he had like over 15 carries, rarely got over one yard. Basically, every time Sonny Michelle touched the ball, he was getting 5, 10, 20 yards. He just really knows how to find a crease. The one big problem with him, he's got a fumble problem. But that kind of stuff I feel like is correctable.
0: All right, so he
1: he'll be available probably for the Steelers there. So mm-hmm. I'd be surprised if they pick him, but he can catch. He can be a Le'Veon Bell sort of guy.
0: Well, cool French name. So moving on to Carryon Johnson, nice.
1: out of Auburn. This this guy is baby Le'Veon. Everyone keeps comparing him because he actually has a really similar style of using those crafty jump cuts and those stop starts. Now he's obviously not as. Dynamic and powerful at Le'Veon when getting out of those cuts. But hey, Le'Veon wasn't the back he is today when he was at Michigan State. He was more of a power guy. He developed some of that speed. So on Johnson shows some of the ability to do that. He was also an all-state high school basketball player, so he's just an athlete. And he, out of the other running backs, he's also he's got the best body besides Saquon. He's just an Adonis guy. It, it's, there's actually kind of a downside to it because some people think he has a little bit of a thin frame. Um, and that he might not be able to withstand the pounding of a 20 carry. Like, what if we need to give him the ball 30 times? And again, people are a little bit worried about his ability to do that. But he's got good power in between the tackles, good visions. He's solid catching the ball. He runs really hard. Uh, although, kind of like Le'Veon, he's not going to get you any, like, 70-yard runs. But he he's a good uh, option. I don't know if he'll be around in the – Oh, did I say fourth earlier? We don't have a fourth round. Yeah, I don't know if he'll be around in the fifth, but maybe as a reach in the third.
0: Well, like you said, the Steelers, he's athletic. The like Steelers him. like an athlete. The All-State basketball player has to appeal to him.
1: Yeah, so that guy might be my number two if he's available late, but I don't <laughs> think he will be. All right.
0: Rashad Penny
1: out of San Diego State. LaDainian Tomlinson Jr. Actually, really... Because I, th- I think that's where no LT went to uh TCU, so this guy is Darren Sproul's number two. He's uh he's just a spark plug. He looks smaller. This is that thing we talked about the other week when these schools with smaller budgets have crappy jerseys and like the numbers are too small or weird fonts from the 90s or something. High school teams, and he, he looks smaller, but he's actually 5'11 220. That's like ideal running back size. This dude has absolutely unreal acceleration and speed second only to saquon barkley but like pretty far ahead everybody else um he runs with pretty decent power and he's just he's the second he gets the ball he's at top speed it's incredible he finds a ton of room in between the tackles and busts a lot of long runs he's kind of shooting up everyone's draft boards he might even be like a second round kind of guy but he would be awesome change of pace to Le'Veon if for some reason he slid into the third round and they really wanted this guy. He's just a bit of a liability in pass protection, which we talked about earlier, is necessary for a running back. All these guys are pretty good at pass protecting. He He's pretty bad. So he needs to learn that. And to his credit, he played in basically a 1994 high school offense at San Diego State They pretty much just ran goal line all the way down the field they had one like white guy wide receiver out there not fooling anybody and they would just give it to this guy against some of the best teams in the country and he would still find ways to get yards so this guy
0: could be the surprise stud well moving down the ladder a little bit a guy who's more likely to be available in the fifth Kalen Bellage, yep from Arizona State
1: yep Arizona State another
0: Adonis 6'1", 230
1: he's the biggest guy of the group although he's not really too much of a bruiser He's, got a, he's kind of smooth in between the tackles, although a lot of people have problems with his just natural running back talent, like his ability to find those creases like we talked about. So he, he's not a great pass blocker, but he can be. I mean, I think that they could teach that up because when you're that gigantic, I feel like that could be something you could do. And he's not like awesome in the open field at making people miss, but he's a big guy and he showed the ability to get yards in between the tackles. He's kind of – he might be someone that the Steelers are more likely to get I might rank him at the number one as most likely because he'll be around in the fourth round, perhaps. And he wouldn't be bad to get as, you know, a backup running back, especially wondering what's going to happen with James Conner and
0: his, his niece. So I, uh, the last guy you have on your list, you don't have a lot of information on that you mentioned before, Nick Chubb from Georgia.
1: Yeah, he's another guy. He'll be available. Well, some people are really high on him. He might go in the second, maybe the third. I don't think he will be available in the fifth, but he's – You know, some of the shine has been taken off of him since people realize his running mate is so much better than him. But he's more of a classic, tried and true, pounded up the middle type of back. He's got a great ability to tote the rock. It's not great catching. He's fine pass, like you know, fine pass blocking, and uh, yeah, he's just a solid running back who really knows how to play the position. Has good power. Um, one of the better running backs in the country in college, although just not particularly dynamic. I know that's not like a sexy scouting report for him, but he could be a good depth guy for sure in any running back rotation.
0: All right, there it there covers. So what is the most likely player that we're going to pick up in what round? I might say Kalen
1: Blage just because I, I really think the Steelers are going to go some variance of safety and inside linebacker or safety and outside linebacker in the first two rounds and then I just I have receiver in my head at the third it just seems like the right time to do it so it kind of seems like there's this outside little chance that the Steelers are going to get Darius Geis in the first round because they've been they've met with him there's been a lot of talk about that but i just think he's too good and he's going to get scooped up before that and in that case i think you can really wait till a later round and maybe next year prioritize right back after John leaves
0: <laughs> sorry sorry right. maybe maybe good things will happen uh so that is our show for this week and we have a We have a couple more topics for next week as we grow closer to the actual draft and prove all these mock drafts. We'll expose the mock drafts for what they were. We're not going to look at mock drafts in the last week. We're going to go back to the first mock draft of each of these guys and just reveal the waste of time that they are. But there is time to fill, so in a way, they're interesting.
1: I might do a mock draft next week. Don't tell
0: it. What? We should probably move on. So... We are striving to make this show as informative and as entertaining as possible. We'd love to get your feedback. We have several vehicles for you to do that. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave a note for us on the blog at SteelersOutpost.com or send us an email at Outpost at Gmail. Again, we'll be back with you next week. Give us some feedback. Help us to improve the show. Until then, thank you for listening. Talk to you next week. Go Steelers.
1: Okay, bye-bye.